What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Student Built Startups Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Stone, entrepreneur and marketing analytics student at UMD. I interview student entrepreneurs to share their stories and business strategies. Today's guest will speak about how to gain awareness through online communities and filmmaking. He has a ton of experience in this arena from going viral on various scales using multiple different tactics. He will be sharing his story and how his education has played a role in it. I encourage you to go check out liveforanother.com. And I'm really excited to introduce you all to the owner of Live For Another, Dylan Hill. Hey, Dylan, super happy to have you here on the Student Built Startups podcast. I'm really excited to talk with you. I'll have you start off with saying hello to everyone listening and sharing one crazy but true fact about yourself. Oh, gosh. Um, well, yeah. So I guess the true fact about me that is kind of interesting is that I technically hold four world records, but these days world records are so expensive that I'm not actually in the book. <laughs> that is pretty crazy. What 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 are those uh, records that you hold kind of most, technically? <laughs> the most random and weird one is the world's biggest tennis ball fight, which we did for a, um, a young boy battling cancer. For whatever reason, he wanted to do that. Uh, and so we put it together. And I still have about 400 tennis balls in some containers behind me. I, I don't know what to do with them. But, yeah, <laughs> that's that's really cool. It sounds like a like a good cause, and probably would have been a, a good time. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so, if you want to share a little bit with the audience about your educational and a little bit about your entrepreneurial story, that would be a, a great place to start. Yeah. Um, so I guess like my, I think the biggest learning experience for me as far as education goes was actually my first entrepreneurial story in a way. All right. Um, I guess it was not really a business. It was a charity I started back in high school. Um, basically, I really enjoy video games. And in high school, I was playing a lot of video games. I was also, uh, you know, like everybody trying to get into a good college. And one of the very frequent sort of recommendations when you're doing that is to, to volunteer. And so naturally, I did that for very selfish reasons. I looked for opportunities to volunteer. And I quickly realized that volunteering isn't very fun, at least traditional volunteering. And, you know, I was going to, um, I was like volunteering at the hospital, which basically just meant filling, sort of moving paperwork around. And I was, you know, okay, fine, I'll sign up for a homeless shelter. And then I was packing bags and not actually interacting with these people, which ultimately, of course, is helping people. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't it, it just felt like I wasn't being utilized in the best capacity. So I was like, Okay, yeah. you know what, I'm playing all these video games, I want to help people, let's just combine those two things together. Um, so I googled how to start a charity. And my friends and I, we put it together. Uh, it's called gamers gift. And basically, uh, that was a huge learning experience. Uh, just for so many different reasons. Um, so that was in about uh, 2015, 2016. And since then, that ha organization has raised hundreds of thousands of dollars. And oh largely what we do is we go to uh, children's hospitals or disability groups, and we bring um, virtual reality headsets and basically give them a couple hours of, um, I mean, you know, for people stuck in a wheelchair, yeah. uh, they can experience going to the moon or something. Um, but yeah, I learned so much with that. Uh, that it's really hard to describe it all because, you know, I built an organization and there's so many technical and social and just a lot of stuff I learned from that. Um, I guess my, my formal education, I was going to University of California, Davis, and um, I kind of put it in quotes because ultimately I did drop out yeah. um, to start my current endeavor. 
And um, I also say that as my second thing, because starting the charity, I felt like I learned a lot more Mm -hmm. um, than I think just the way I learned. It wasn't very compatible with uh, college, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's really cool. I think what you did was really awesome because you found kind of what you were passionate about, which was like video games, and you're able to kind of put that towards a cause that you felt very passionate about as well. And I think that's always a great place to start because you're going to be motivated and you're really going to be like full blown, like ready to go after what you really want. And so I think that's, that's really cool. And yeah, it, probably... it helps you understand things that are happening too. You know, if I, yeah. if I started a, um, I don't know, a fashion charity, it wouldn't have worked <laughs> for the reasons you stated, but also just because, you know, I wouldn't understand how to like help people. And I think that was part of the problem with like the homeless shelter. I had no experience mm-hmm. with homelessness or, prepping food and so it was just it, i felt kind of out of place and ultimately yeah, i think yeah. that negatively affected the the interactions i was having with people yeah i totally understand that that makes makes a lot of sense actually um so when did you like determine that entrepreneurship was the route that you wanted to take like was there a specific like moment in time that that kind of happened or was it kind of gradual yeah, I think something we might discover while we talk today is I'm not a big fan of like buzzwords and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm one of those. I'm kind of a hipster, I would say, <laughs> the best okay. way to describe it. But so like the idea of like entrepreneurship, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I kind of cringe when I describe myself as that because to me, it's just kind of how I live my life, I guess. You know, yeah. I don't like I don't think I'm a macho businessman or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like, I just really enjoy the idea of improving myself and working and like having these big goals and stuff. And I learned pretty quickly, even just like with my first job that that didn't really mesh well with working at the, uh, as a, uh, uh, working as a server at a restaurant, like the Mm -hmm. idea of all these dreams I have. And, you know, when I'm driving, I'm just brainstorming, like, what if I did this doesn't work with, (laughs) um, working with other people. And so I don't think it's necessarily like, uh, you know, I'm going to go out there and be an entrepreneur. It's just more so entrepreneur is kind of the opportunity of doing things your own way. And Mm -hmm. I, I think my brain works differently is what I've learned. And, uh, and so I just, right now I'm trying to do, you know, whatever just kind of makes sense at the moment. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think that the whole like o- word entrepreneur kind of has like this, like kind of a s- stigma around it. That's yeah. kind of like, it's not really what it should be, I don't think. Um, so I, I think the way you described it, it was absolutely perfect. Kind of just doing things your own way and doing kind of what you feel you should be doing. And uh, I can kind of relate with you about like, I feel like my brain kind of operates in a different way as well, because like, it's like ideas in like, kind of uh aspirations that come up like out of the blue it's like you're always trying to thinking always trying to think about like what you can do next and yeah uh, it's yeah it's <laughs> in my case it's not even trying to think of things it's actually frustrated that i won't stop thinking of things oh, yeah it's like oh just shut up please and then, mm. and then you know it's even worse when you come up with a decent idea and then it won't leave your brain. It's like, I don't want this to be happening yeah. right now. I'm trying to watch Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get what you said. Um, so what process did you take to start either your current venture or if you want to talk about your first charity that you started? Um, or you can talk about both, either one, but because I'm, I'm sure you've learned a lot of things in the process of both of those. Yeah, um, I part of my I, I think it kind of comes from like 
the way I work just at the time in both cases was, you know, whether that was high school or college, it's a lot of um, like my own style of procrastination <laughs> where it's like, you know, a, a lot of people, they, they go in and they, they can work like all day and stuff and they're consistent. I'm very not consistent. I sort of just have like a, I'm bored. I'm going to go do this thing now. And then I'll go and I'll, you know, I'll put like six hours into it and I'll just be working hardcore. I'll get so much done at six hours and then I'll won't come back to it for a while. <laughs> so I, in both cases of my current thing and the charity I started in high school, they were both sort of ideas. And once it became an idea, that meant they were sitting in my head for a long time. And then at one moment, it kind of just happened where I was like, okay, I'm just going to make that Google search. Um, especially with, with uh, the charity organization, it was very much like, yeah, I feel like doing that now. And then, and then I just got sucked in. And once I take that first step, then it's like, okay, you know, I've already filled out the paperwork. I might as well <laughs> make the website kind of thing. Um, I, I guess the second venture live for another that I'm working on now, there was a, a little bit more urgency to it. Um, it wasn't quite as like, you know, sit on it for a month mm-hmm. and get to it. Uh, because it started when my, my friend, he was given a terminal cancer diagnosis mm-hmm. and, uh, that's what sort of spawned it. Uh, but it was a similar concept in that I had an idea and then I just kind of started doing it. Like, I don't know. I don't do well at overthinking. I, I, I've been, that's something I'm struggling with recently is a lot of like the guides and tutorials and people out there that are running businesses. A lot of it doesn't really work with how my brain works. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm better or anything. I'm just different. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're like, Oh, make it, make a, uh, go to market plan or a business plan and all these things. And it's like that. I don't know. You know, I'm doing something so weird that I just got to kind of figure it out, I guess. And sometimes that is good. Sometimes I think that's definitely a, a negative, but it's fun so far. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's really cool. I think, um, I, I did like what you said there about how like, there's so much like go to a market plan or like, there's like always like a course or a like right way to do things. But so many like everyone like has a different way that they kind of operate and Mm. not everything is going to be suited for each individual person. So sometimes just going about it, however you feel is best and like some trial and error is going to be like the best way to do it because one, you're going to be learning what works and what doesn't for you. And two, it's like you have that opportunity to actually like try things differently and maybe it'll work out better than what other people have suggested. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing I learned. I kind of went into working on things as, Oh, you know, we're, we're in this age of the internet where all the information you need is out there. The problem is when you search how to do something, every single person that's telling you how to do it is, is telling you, this is how it's done. You know, it's like, you want to lose 30 pounds. Here's how to do it. (laughs) What I learned is there's little nuggets everywhere. And like, you got to, you got to, you know, spend a certain amount of your time absorbing that, but mm-hmm. then you really got to figure out, okay, you know, weightloss.org versus, you know, he's saying this one thing, he's saying this other thing, and you just got to kind of try things that everyone, all the, taking the information, try what kind of makes sense to you and then sort of mesh it together because there's not really, you're never going to read a perfect guide or get, you know, you're not going to read a textbook and be like, wow, that paragraph perfectly describes my life. I'm ready to start a business. No, it's like, you got to just absorb all of it. And then, yeah, it's all about the trying, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do, I, I kind of relate with you about the whole, like, 
we're in the age of everything's on the internet, but it's everybody is like telling you kind of a different thing and it's yeah. kind of, it can kind of be overwhelming at times, but um, I, I have the same sort of mindset where you need to like go and take in as much information as you can because you're going to be able to use that and then apply it to yourself. Um, and it's just going to be a, a better way than just going full blown this one path right. and realizing maybe month, two months down the road that it doesn't work. And then you've wasted that time trying something that you weren't really sure about and it didn't work out. So yeah. Yeah. You waste a lot of time trying to do that. Yeah. Um, so if there was one thing that you wish you would have known before you started your ventures, what would you say that would have been? I, yeah, I always have trouble with questions like that because it's, it's a lot of, I, I have this weird thing where like, I've, I imagine a lot of people, they look back at their mistakes and they like really a, a, attack themselves for it. I kind of do somewhat of the opposite where I look at the success and I don't put enough value to it. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like, I, yeah, <laughs> I absolutely know what you're saying. Let me, let me kind of reword the question just cause sure. I, I know what you're saying. Um, so if there is one thing that you would have known in the past that would have maybe helped you for maybe like somebody that it could like help somebody that's listening right now. Um, so if some, what's one thing that could have helped you before you started your ben- venture that you know now? Yeah, I, I think, um, it, it's kind of uh, n- not deep, but it, it's kind of m- mindfulness is like the thing that's really helped me in that sometimes you just gotta like, s- just relax <laughs> and, and not from like, uh, you know, not even, not even overworking yourself. Obviously you need to not overwork yourself, mm-hmm. but sometimes you just got to kind of just sit there and, and think about what's happening and, and appreciate it. I think, um, I, yeah, I, I think I get carried away sometimes where I, I just get so stuck in, in what's happening that I don't think about like the context that I'm in and that things are awesome. Like just being able to do certain things is so cool. Right. And yeah. and it's easy to kind of forget those things. Um, yeah. And then as far as like technical knowledge, I guess that I wish I would have known, um, I, you kind of have this assumption when you're growing up that the people older than you or senior to you know what they're doing. (laughs) What I've learned is nobody (laughs) knows what's happening. And even like what's happening these days, that's becoming very clear. Like nobody, nobody understands. Everyone's stupid. (laughs) Like, yeah, nothing makes sense. You know, it's just kind of, there's no no such thing as perfection i think and for me it was really calming to kind of get rid of that concept um i know some people in the business world they have that sense of perfection and that's what gets them successful and drive Mm -hmm. but for me it's more so just like kind of just messing things up and like sometimes it's fun to feel stupid yeah (laughs) something i've learned it's like oh yeah i should have known that didn't make any sense why did i think that whatever work uh-huh yeah and, and i can relate with that because like in today's world things are moving so rapidly that it's almost impossible to know everything about any specific right. topic it's like maybe maybe like 30 40 years ago before we were we were born like people would have been able to know everything about a specific topic but it seems like in today's world it's just everything's so rapid and everyone is like you said, everyone's kind of stupid in the, in some way. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, that's kind of, I really like the way that you, that mindfulness aspect and that sort of stuff as well. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, these days, like, you know, you can be an expert on, on some sort of program and then they could release an update, some random company, you know, across mm-hmm. the country. And then all of a sudden you're made redundant. It's yeah. Like, okay. Whereas back in the day, it took 45 years to discover a new technique or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of bouncing off of that last topic, how have you used your past failures to help you succeed uh, as you move forward? That I, I yeah, I, I get very, I, I'm very much in my head. So all my answers are going to be really deep. But ultimately, what I've learned is, um, if I failed before, I would definitely have sort of that moment of reflection and disappointment. And just that feeling of failure, you know, and like Mm -hmm. really soaking in the negatives of that situation. And what I've learned is I've gone through that so many times now that anytime I start to feel that again, I don't really like dismiss it. Like I used to, I don't Mm -hmm. try to push away that feeling and be like, Oh, failure's so good. Keep learning. It's more so just like, yeah, I feel like crap right now, you know? And, and because of that, I've learned to kind of, whenever I feel down, I, I kind of soak it in and then I've, I've noticed that the time of like the, you know, really the negative mental health moments <laughs> where you're just feeling down, they seem to be shortened now because it's kind of like, Oh, I've been, I, I know this feeling I've been here yeah. before and you just got to kind of, just got to wait for it to get out of it. And what I've learned is the best way to get out of those is to just immediately get back to the next thing like okay um and especially with like the topic of mindfulness is whenever i'm struggling now i take a second i'm like what have i what have i experienced in this case before and and how did i learn from that last time like when i when i started my charity the first children's hospital we went to uh, it was an incredible experience but it was very uh, sort of bureaucratic and so we had a sort of walk on eggshells and ultimately when we were done there we made a little social media post and we said you know guys we went to this hospital it was incredible hopefully someday we'll be able to share pictures with you of like these things that we were able to do thanks to your support now the hospital they saw that social media post and they interpreted that as we were going to sneak and take pictures of kids which in a hospital setting is is a huge uh, you know that's a huge legal and even just ethical problem to take pictures of people in the hospital and of course that made me angry because it was such a blatant misinterpretation. Yeah. But even beyond that, I remember it was such a, a crazy experience. I was in my um, English, my high school English class. Right. And like, it was in the middle of a, a thing. And I remember having to raise my hand. Can I go to the bathroom to be able to step outside and have this business call with this organization where basically they said like, you know, we should be suing you right now, but instead we're, you're banned from this hospital. And that was the first experience I had of visiting kids in the hospital. Oh. And I was, I was heartbroken. You know, I started crying. I'm like, what the heck? I, I went door to door fundraising for this. And, and now it's, it's gone. And so I, I spent a lot of time like, oh, this idea is not going to, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> terrible experience. And I really yeah. dwelled on that. Um, kind of more recently, we were doing, um, we were filming a documentary where we challenged ourselves to visit as many children's hospitals as we could in the span of seven days. Basically the, what that ended up being was running through downtown Boston, New York with 15 suitcases full of video games, uh, which was fascinating. Um, but basically we went through six days and we were sitting in uh, an airport in Baltimore. We were about to fly to Chicago 
and we received an email saying, hey, uh, we know that you guys are about to finish up your documentary here in Chicago. Uh, we know it's like really important. It's going to be a great finale for your documentary, but our media manager is going to be a little bit too busy tomorrow and you can't film. And we we're like, we, I, I was devastated because we worked, we, we worked very hard and it was the span of, we traveled 10 States in seven days. So we were not sleeping. It was super expensive. You know, we put a lot into this and it was the final hospital. The last one we were visiting, it was like, you took away our peak, you know, what, what's going on here. And I remember like sitting in the hotel room as we were trying to figure out a solution. Um, and I, and I was able to reflect back on the, that very similar situation. And it was less so, you know, in that situation, there was no knowledge that I could take from my past failure. It was more so just like remembering the feelings, which like, I, I, you know, there wasn't a technical solution for the first time that I could apply to the second time. It was more so just like, yeah, I remember crying the first time. I remember wanting to cry the second time. But after that first failure, I went back to the drawing board and we figured it out. And then it's turned into this organization now that is, has this national attention. So I just need to, you know, I'm going to cry. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, we're going to figure it out. And ultimately, we figured it out. And I think the the ending of that documentary is going to be better than had we have done. I forgot to mention. Sorry, I'm going on. <laughs> no worries, no worries. <laughs> What was particularly crazy about, uh, crazy frustrating about that situation was um, when we were in Boston, I think it was like day one or two, that that hospital in Chicago emailed us and said, hey, uh, you mentioned something about bringing virtual reality. We're like, yeah, we did mention that. Unfortunately, uh, we're already traveling and you said no to it a week ago. So we didn't bring it with us, which would entail uh, basically a full desktop computer virtual yeah. reality, uh, basically two more suitcases. <laughs> which we didn't have. And so we sat there, we're like, oh, these kids want virtual reality. What are we going to do? And so in Michigan, in Detroit, we went to the store and we we bought all of the equipment. We literally built a computer in the back of our rental van as we were driving across Michigan. And we had to like, <laughs> yeah, we were in the middle. Of, it was just snowing everywhere. And we were sitting here building this computer. And then ultimately they said, hey, you can't film. And we're like, wait, but... That's brutal. Uh, you, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I learned from the first time that it, it's going to hurt a lot and the solution is to just kind of just be okay with that and yeah, figure I, something out. I think that's actually really awesome because I know everybody says like failures are always like, oh, failures are great. You learn from them. But I feel like a lot of people skip that part of like actually embracing it and kind of feeling the feelings. Yeah. Um, and like even myself, like I haven't really thought about that topic like you just explained it and I think it's a really great way of explaining that the topic of like failures, because I would imagine that once you actually like take the time to like feel everything and like embrace all the like emotions that you're having, that you're going to be able to like absorb everything from that situation better. And therefore you're going to like be one, like emotionally trained per se the next time that it right. happens. And two, you're just going to be able to actually like take more out of the situation in a whole as, as a whole. Um, yeah, it, it just kind of makes you hyper aware to everything that's happening. And I, I felt like, you know, when everyone's talking about, like, like you said, oh, failure is so great, that it seems to be an implication that there's also there's always technical things to learn on. You know, it's like if you put together a car, you're driving on the freeway, the tire falls off next time. OK, I'll put the you know, I'll put the nuts on tighter. 
but that's not how failures work. Like failures are so complicated that it's not a matter of learning technical things. It's really just learning like how you you sort of contextualize everything that's happening, I think, is what yeah. makes them powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what's your number one priority regarding your uh, businesses or ventures in like your day-to-day activities? Like what's the number one thing that you would like put top priority on? As far as day-to-day goes? Yeah, yeah, day-to-day. Um, I, I, I want to say that my, my top priority would be to feel satisfied at the end of the day, to make sure I work to a point where I feel satisfied. But I would never feel that. that that's something. Basically, what I'm trying to do on a day-to-day is put myself in the mindset where I have the ability to feel satisfied at the end of the day, <laughs> which is like a really interesting thing. It's like... Yeah, every day I'm coming in, you know, and it's I'm working on something and it's like, okay, if I work harder, then I'll have 10 things crossed off the to-do list. That'll feel great. <laughs> it doesn't feel great. So now what I'm doing is like, okay, as I'm working on this stuff, I need to appreciate the process. Yeah. I need to appreciate the fact that I had the opportunity to work on this thing and I need to un- just sort of uh yeah, just not get caught up in the in the specifics, I guess, and and just appreciate the fact that I'm in this situation that I'm able to be doing this, especially these days when some people, you know, are in way worse situations. So I think on the day to day, it's just kind of just, yeah, just, just having fun with it ultimately and not getting caught up in the details because at least in my experience, you know, you can make, you can produce as much as you want to produce, but stuff will still go wrong. So you might as well have a little bit more good times while you're producing, I guess. Yeah. Kind of a weird answer. I know. I I actually completely understand what you're saying. I'm right there with you at the whole trying to get satisfied at the end of the day, but it's like impossible to do. Like literally, I have my like checklist here that's like, (laughs) and it's like as soon as I cross something off, I'm like, well, I got to add something else to there. There's something else I can do. Um, But it's 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 weird how like I know I could work 14 hours straight and get a ton of stuff done, and still be like, well, I have more to do because that's just how it goes. But you're you're completely right. It's like you need to like or you should try to like just enjoy the the process and like take time to enjoy your life. Um, Which is something I still haven't figured out. Like I yeah. still hate like working on these things. It's still super just tedious. I'm waiting to get to the next thing. But it's yeah, it's something I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Is, is yeah. to really appreciate that. Yeah, I I think we're both kind of in this in the same boat trying trying to do that right now. So. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an interesting thing because it's, it's just, it's just weird, but <laughs> yeah, it's complicated. It is. Um, so what was your, your biggest fear before you started and how did you overcome that? I, yeah, I had a different answer, but now I'm, I, I'm in the mood to just talk deep All right. s- psychology here, I guess. <laughs> Sweet. Um, I, I didn't really know what my biggest fear is working on these things. And I was watching a TV show um, and one of the characters, I forget the exact quote, but essentially said, the point of life is to making sure that there's a bunch of people at your funeral, essentially, Mm -hmm. which is super deep, super morbid. But ultimately, like I realized that that is my fear, you know, like we all have a limited amount of time on this earth. And I, I want to make sure that, well, typically my ideas relate to um, things that excite me, right? Things that are interesting yeah. to me and that I'm eager to do. And 
typically they have an impact on the world. I think everybody's ideas, ultimately, they want to have an impact on the world. I think my biggest fear is not having the real impact that I make meet the expectations of the the thoughts and ideas that I have. You know, if, if my ideas generated a million impact points on the world, I'm, I'm scared that the reality is going to be much <laughs> lower than that. Um, and it's not something that actively scares me. I think it's it's a motivator more than a fear. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that that's kind of where I go when I approach things. Is like I want to make sure that this has an impact on the world. Um, I guess it's a weird way of having a fear of death, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> to get real morbid with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I I think how you kind of position it, where you you kind of said that it is. Uh, you turn it into like a motivation or it's, it's kind of a motivating aspect. And I think that fear can sometimes be the motivation that you need per se. Yeah. Um, I know sometimes fear can like push you away, but I think once you build the right kind of mindset around fear that you can kind of use it to your advantage. Uh, yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of, you know, business owners and stuff, or even just people who don't own a business, they work uh, typical like nine to five thing. A big, big reason why they work so hard is, like supporting their family, you know, mm-hmm. and, and while that's super stressful, I think that's a huge motivator for a lot of people. And in a way, I'm kind of jealous of that. Because I think as entrepreneurs, you've got to kind of generate your own reason to work, which mm-hmm. is really hard. Uh, and I think fear is like the easiest one. So yeah. I, maybe in a way, I sort of fabricated the fear of like, I'm forcing myself, you know, to have this big grand sort of do all these amazing things um, simply because that's like the easiest way to keep doing all this stuff. Now we're going deep. (laughs) We're going so deep. I don't don't know what's happening here. Well, we're about halfway through the episode. So we're going to take a moment for a brief advertisement. Over the past few months, podcasting is something that I've become very passionate about. It's helped me open many doors to new relationships, new networking opportunities, and giving the opportunity to share other people's knowledge and grow my personal brand, as well as have a lot of fun. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your recording. Now, I have a special offer for all of the listeners here on the Student Built Startups podcast. Following the link in the show notes, let's Buzzsprout know we sent you gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and helps support our show. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. The link is in the show notes. Um, so we'll kind of switch over to a, a little bit of a different topic here. So we'll talk a little bit more about kind of your, your knowledge that you can share with the audience right now. Um, so you, you've mentioned that in the past you've gone viral in a, on a couple different levels. Um, so we can talk a little bit about that topic. Uh, so we can start off with what kind of led you to going viral and kind of what was the whole story around, uh, some of those times that that happened. Yeah. Um, the kind of the first time I went viral, 
um, was not really for a mission. Um, actually, a game store near me, they were throwing out a bunch of like broken video game consoles. And I took a picture and posted it on Reddit and said, like, hey, what should I do with these? And then from that, I just started getting a bunch of messages of like, hey, in the corner there, I see this random obscure console from 1973 or whatever, right? Some weird stuff. I'm like, I didn't see that, but whatever. They're like, yeah, I'll give you a hundred bucks for that. <laughs> and, and it was crazy. Next thing I know, I was like running the shipping operation. You know, I had, um, I think I had 50 game cubes just like <laughs> lined up in my room. And that was like, well, this is weird. Okay. You know, I'm like, interacting with these people from across the world and and yeah we're you know we're having this conversation about this random thing uh so that was the first time the sort of biggest viral experience i had was um when my friend was was given his terminal cancer diagnosis Mm -hmm. um my response was to drop out of college and then we put together this little video basically explaining um hey this is my friend he he has cancer (laughs) it wasn't that awkward but yeah yeah you know, it was basically just like, hey, guys, what's up? Very uh, amateurs yeah. trying to explain, like, what our story was, the things, you know, how long we've known each other. And ultimately, um, that we had a year left and we wanted to experience that year doing incredible things. Um, we put that out there. And I remember uh, I was like, OK, I was making a flyer right before I posted it. And I was like, OK. So I needed to design this flyer so that I can like go to my neighbors and try to convince them to help us do, you know, whatever bucket list goal we had. And I posted it and then it just, it, it skyrocketed. The, the first day we had 500,000 views on YouTube. And then from there, it was really unique because it was a lot of, um, I think we were, we were really lucky to have a lot of that momentum carry forward. Um, I think there's, you know, when you go viral, there's a lot of going, the sort of arc is like a huge peak and then you never hear from them again. Um, we were really lucky to have momentum carry us for a very long time. And we just continued going viral based off of that, the general story of, of uh, me dropping out and him having a year left. And um, yeah, it just kept happening. Like we would just post another thing and that would go viral and into completely different audiences. Um, and I learned a lot from that about sort of I think ultimately what people appreciated about us is anytime we would talk and like communicate with people was we wouldn't fabricate anything I guess I mean we would do an extent because we'd have to edit the video because we have really terrible senses of humor but beyond that we were really genuine with uh, sort of what was happening you know we would we would do something like fly a plane which was on our bucket list and we wouldn't ignore the fact that even though we're up in the air right now flying a plane, like cancer is still a thing, you know, we're still affected by this. It's still difficult and just being really genuine with people. And I think ultimately that really helped, um, it helped us go viral. I think because there was, there was empathy, you know, we received so many phone calls of people who were like, Hey, I read the headline and then it resonated with me. So I dug deeper and, and I looked at all this stuff you've done and, you know, my sister passed away to cancer and now I'm going to share this everywhere. And I think it just helped really people realize that like, um, we were people. And I, I I think it also helped, um, sometimes when I, when we create created viral content and stuff, it, um, you get a lot of views or impressions or people read the headline, but it's really hard to get people sort of like take action. I guess, or even if you're not trying to have them take action, you're just trying to share the content with them. 
it's hard for them to like really engage deeply with it. But that first time, um, people were into it. People, you know, people were emailing us and they're like, Hey, um, I see you want to play Dungeons and Dragons. Now I'm in Australia. I don't know how it's going to work, but let's get you over here and we'll play Dungeons and Dragons. And it's like, I agree. I don't know how it's going to work, but <laughs> thank you for reaching out. Uh, and people were really engaged and they would go out of their way. You know, there's some people where they would read something on our bucket list and then they'd be like, they'd call or email or text or whatever. And, hey, uh, my brother's sister, I contacted his cousin and he had a lawyer and I did this and this. And by the way, the books, the flight is booked for tomorrow. You're doing and it's like, OK, you know, people <laughs> would pour their heart out uh, to help us. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, it was just a fascinating, really crazy experience to uh, to have that carry through for so long. Yeah, I could imagine. I, I I think that's really, really cool that you guys chose to do that and kind of have that as like a, a story that's going to be there for forever, essentially, that other people can watch. And I'm, I could imagine the amount of people that it has had a positive impact on and could definitely just resonate with them. And maybe they've gone through a similar situation. Yeah. Um, and just the fact that you guys were so genuine and um, just yourself. I think one thing that I'm really focusing on lately is just being yourself and being who you are and being genuine because that's you and that's what people want and people can tell if you're not you. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I, I just think that that's a really great story essentially. And <laughs> yeah. And I, th I, one thing I forgot to mention, which I think is the craziest part to me um, throughout the entire thing, we were encouraging people to sign up for the bone marrow registry. Uh, it basically because he had leukemia, he needed a genetic match to donate bone marrow. So to us, that became a challenge, right? Because while finding a genetic match is difficult, it is a numbers game, right? Like if, if he had like a tumor or something, the challenge would be to have it removed in a successful surgery. In our case, it was a matter of getting views, literally, because the more people that signed up, the more likely they were to find a genetic match for him. Yeah. And so that was a big part of our campaign. Um, and ultimately, uh, the first world record, going back to the beginning, was the most bone marrow donor signups in one day. And it was interesting because we kind of, um, I guess it was sort of like a marketing funnel in a sense where we would have a bunch of people reading our headlines, you know, and then we would see these views and then we'd see all these emails. And then we saw of those select few, they would join the bone marrow registry. Um, and actually about two weeks ago, um, we found out that Though the 100 million views that our story had generated ultimately led to 20 people getting bone marrow surgery and, and literally their lives were saved. And it was this really fascinating moment of really like sort of reverse making the numbers genuine to us in a way where it was like, oh, yeah, okay, those views are worth a lot more than, <laughs> than just the views. They yeah. are. Yeah. It's, it's real things are happening. And one of those people was my friend, you know? Yeah. And it, it, it was a real learning experience to just kind of like the numbers that you see or the photos or the headlines, like there are real people behind those things. And um, yeah, it was, it was really fascinating. I don't know what I've, what that has taught me except for just like compassion, I guess. Yeah. And just there, the internet's really cool. And there's, there's, there's so many things that can happen mm -hmm. because of it. Yeah. And one thing I'll, I'll say is those 20 people's whose lives were saved, that's gotta be a lot of impact points, as you said earlier. I mean, 
like <laughs> yeah the, just on a uh, outrageous scale i mean yeah <laughs> that's just incredible i i think that's awesome it's insane um, yeah it's i mean even like hearing that even hearing when they they called me and told me that it was for a second it was still a number right i'm like that's 20 it could have, if we worked harder, it could have been 21. <laughs> but since then I I've been kind of mm-hmm. like sitting on that and like, I mean, I don't even have 20 friends, you know? Yeah. And like, I'm imagining if like, that's a lot of people and just not only, yeah. It's just crazy. imagine, just imagine those are 20 people, but how many people do those 20 people know? Right. And then how many people will that 20 people know in the future? It's, 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 it's a, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so is that all that you wanted to say kind of about that, that topic there? I think so. That was, okay. that was a good enough rant for me. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> so when, when talking about like online communities, um, how can you use like an online community to help you like get awareness? Uh, yeah, I think it comes down to the same thing as just being genuine. Okay. I, I spent a lot of time, um, prior to that experience with uh, going viral with my friend, uh, with my charity, I read so much about, uh, you know, strategies, when to post on Facebook to get the most likes or, or how often to post or all these things that are kind of ultimately like meaningless because there's so many uncontrolled variables. It doesn't matter anyway, but even beyond that, it, it, the internet is so cool because really what it, to me, what it comes down to is like, we're talking to each other from across the country right now. Yeah. And you can become best friends with somebody who doesn't even speak the same language as you. Yeah. And and that's why it's cool. And like, it's not cool because we can track where people are clicking or anything like that. It's cool because it connects us. And, and connection is all about like what you say to each other, you know, and, and uh, just, just, yeah, kind of getting to know each other. And mm-hmm. I think, I think that's the really incredible thing about communities. And that's what I try to remember is, Sometimes I forget, but, you know, be genuine with people. And like, when you're talking to people, these are real people. And if you're genuine and you explain like, hey, guys, uh, I'm new here, um, but my friend's dying of cancer and we're trying to get this bucket list thing. And, you know, here's what we were thinking. You people see that they see that like you're being honest, you know, and yeah, I don't know. It's just just really like they're people and they have interest and and they're they find similar things important as you do and and really try to appreciate that yeah i i think one thing that everyone listening right now can really take away especially for people who are very like business minded is the fact that like they're they're people that you're interacting with because a lot of people might think of their sales as just sales or numbers or but there's always a person on the other end of anything that you're doing essentially and when you can really put an emphasis on that, you're going to be able to build a greater connection with those people. And that's going to lead to whatever result you are hoping for. Um, or Yeah. And I think ultimately those people will notice too, because you're not yeah. treating them like that mm-hmm. number. You're treating yep. them as, as a person. Absolutely. Um, so what are, what are three important parts to um, kind of fostering or building or growing an online community? Um, one thing it took me a long time to learn and I'm still trying to remind myself is that same concept that, that these communities aren't just numbers. They're not marketing platforms. You know, it's not, it's not free eyeballs. 
these are people that like a Facebook group is a great example. It seems so easy to search for a Facebook group and there's 30,000 people in it. You're like, Oh great. These people are going to love the thing I'm trying to push. <laughs> awesome. You know, but ultimately like it kind of takes a lot to join a Facebook group. Like you have to go out of your way in most cases to join these groups and they're things you're passionate about. It's, yeah. it's what excites you. And when you go to a Facebook group, you're talking to people about what you enjoy. And so I think ultimately what I had to learn is you got to have a reason for like engaging with communities mm-hmm. online. You got to have an endpoint. Um, and well, even that sounds aggressive, you know, but you have to have like a reason for being there. And I think especially these days, people notice if you're, if you're faking it, Oh yeah, you can go in there and, you know, if you're trying to sell a backpack or something, people will notice that you're just trying to sell that thing. Because yeah. if you make a post and you're like, Hey guys, so, uh, kids are returning back to school. They should really use this really high quality backpack. Like they're going to, you know, they're going to report you to the admin. But if, if you spend some time in there and really get to know these people and you get to learn what's happening, I think they'll, they'll be a little bit more appreciative of you hanging around. Absolutely. And if you are selling that backpack, like if you like have like, okay, let me just try to rephrase this. If your backpack will actually like, make a difference in someone's lives, like a positive difference in their lives, like you're going to feel much comfortable selling it and you're not going to worry about trying to push it so hard because you're not going to have to because one, you believe in it and two, it's something that's going to help them. So they're going to want it anyways. So. Yeah. And I think too, there's there's a lot of value in online communities that's not purely making the sell. You know, yeah. if, you're, if you're selling that backpack, you're in these, I don't know, mom groups, mm-hmm. you might learn that what's valuable about a backpack, you know, and you might realize that, Hey, having these features is completely irrelevant to people. And you wouldn't even have to sell a single product to a single member of that group, but you would still take in so much information and learn who you can sell to and the kind of people that enjoy the things you're doing. Uh, yeah, it's just, there's, there's more, there's more to it, I think, than the numbers, like, like we've been saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. I think that's that's cool that you said you can just get kind of information from those groups because I could imagine if you just put out a question like what are your biggest like concern what are your biggest problems with backpacks yeah um, and then you like if you could involve them with the process of making that backpack then you have like a real kind of community around not just the community but around your product as well and they're going to feel a part of the process and yeah. and that's I mean, what social media is all about it's yeah keeping people connected. Yep. Yep. Sorry. So this one's kind of, you're, you're probably going to say no, but maybe, maybe not. Um, is there any secret recipe to like making a film that can help you get more attention or is there any like general tips that you think would help? The, the common thing that I didn't believe when I first like looked into it was to just make them. Yeah. And I mean, that's so important with business in general, but of all the things I've done, it's particularly important about films and like filmmaking and creative because they're got it. I mean, something like creating a film, you're basically creating out of your mind, like entirely just out of your mind, you know, except for the equipment you're using. Yeah. If you're making a product like a backpack, I guess we're going down that road. You're, you're still using existing, you're still using someone else's fabric mm-hmm. and you know, you have such a big conception or like an understanding of what, a backpack is and you're building off of that but when you're making a film in a lot of ways like it's just coming from your brain and so there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot to learn about translating your brain into real life 
and there's so many different points of failure that you just got to make things. And like, you know, you might have this awesome idea in your head. You might even execute that idea perfectly, but then you realize that your ideas are just embarrassing. And then like what seems cool in your head when it's happening in real life is just like, or not, not real life, but on screen. Yeah. Wow. That that's so awkward. Why would I think that would be interesting? You know? Um, and I think that's what I've learned. There's so many videos I have where it's like, at the moment I was in, I was in my head, you know, and I'm like, oh, this is going to make people cry. They're going to tear up. And if I watch it now, like, <laughs> I just, I, I cringe really hard because yeah, I just learned how people react to it and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I can say that I can kind of relate to that whole cringing thing. Cause Right now I have a Kickstarter campaign for for something and I made a video for like the promo video and I posted it, got it up and immediately like I got people reaching out to me like, yeah, why is your video like a 2005 infomercial? <laughs> and I'm like, right. I'm like, all right, well, I should have asked for feedback before I went ahead, um, but I, I got a different video up now, so no worries about that. But yeah, and now um, you now you know, like, okay, when I use that clip art, it makes it look like it's from two thousand five <laughs> or whatever the element was. You know, yeah, like, do not include that unless that's the style I'm going for. Yeah, you never you can't Google that. Like, you can't no. read a blog post that that'll teach you that. No. So yeah. yeah. Um. So last thing here before we move on to the fast five is. How did you leverage di- digital marketing to kind of grow your, I guess you could say, brand or your kind of uh, venture that you were doing? I, I, yeah, I didn't. I mean, now I'm trying to learn like a lot of the technical side mm-hmm. of things, um, like the uh, analytics and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there was so much luck involved with what happened to us and what continues to happen to us that it's. I don't like saying like technical things because it makes yeah, me sound yeah. smarter than I am. <laughs> well, <laughs> but ultimately it, I think it's just understanding how things work in the digital area, you know, in digital mm-hmm. marketing, like understanding that there's a difference between someone seeing something and seeing and someone engaging with something and understanding um, sort of what makes Facebook different than Reddit or TikTok different than Twitter and really just kind of understanding and appreciating why people are on these on these platforms because you know you go on facebook and well these days it's different but it's supposed to be you see family and friends yeah or you know you go on reddit and there's this element of you being anonymous that's really appealing on Mm -hmm. there and and so there's a lot of different like i think it's just yeah again it kind of just comes down to like spending time in those places and understanding what makes these tools so interesting yeah and i I think that's how we took advantage of it is just like we knew them we grew up with youtube we we spent a lot of time on reddit you know and we we understood what was happening and we understood that you can't just say guys let's can you help my bucket list you know help Mm -hmm. me fly a plane no it's like you gotta you gotta do this on this platform and this on this Mm -hmm. platform yeah you mind if i ask like how often you would like put out content um, at the peak we were doing, um, once every two weeks. Okay. That was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Really yeah. Was that like actual like video videos? Yeah. So uh, that would be, okay. then it was like seven minute, five or seven minute videos okay. every two weeks. All right. Cool. Yeah. Um, so we'll move on to the fast five section now. If you don't have anything else you wanted to talk about there. Sounds okay. good. 
Um, so I'll just ask you five questions. We'll go through them pretty fast and then we'll uh, wrap things up. So what is the most valuable learning experience that you have had? I don't think any one particular experience changed my life. <laughs> it's just a lot of small micro things. And more importantly is tying those micro things together. And this time I learned that doing this technical thing is a problem. This other time I learned mm-hmm. this emotional state caused problems. What does that mean together? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, I don't know if you're a big book person, but uh, if you are, uh, what is one book that you would recommend? I like this book. It's called 59 Seconds, uh, Change Your Life in Under a Minute. It sounds like a self-help book, but I, what I really appreciate about it is it's driven by research. And so basically you'll read through like an experiment and he'll elaborate on how you can use that in your life. Uh, so it, it takes the self-help genre and like all the famous marketing or business books and kind of yeah. uses science as opposed to just that one guy who got lucky and is trying to tell his story as fact or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what is one business tool that you would recommend? I think Google is really good. I, I don't think that's like a, a tool in the typical sense, but anything can happen on there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's, you can one, learn learn a good amount of stuff and two, like just typing in Google terms and like getting feedback on uh, other results is always Yeah, uh, learning how to Google well. is like the most valuable thing that I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so how do you schedule your time and plan ahead? That's something I've been having a hard time with. The thing that's been successful for me so far is, um, planning through streaks. So I used to do like to-do lists like Monday or Trello or something like that. Mm -hmm. And ultimately it just, it didn't really work for how I work. So what I try to do now is I have, uh, sort of reoccurring tasks so one reoccurring task is like check my emails. You know, that's a small one. Okay. And I, I have, I, I use an app on my phone that um, basically shows how long the streak has been for. And so, you know, once I'm 73 days into spending <laughs> 30 minutes editing, I'm not going to stop. Like I'm going to keep doing it. Um, so that's really helpful for me. And then another thing that's really helpful for me is data is really exciting to me. Yeah. Um, so, like I recently started tracking like how much I sleep, how many calories I'm eating. And just the idea of like six months from now comparing everything and be like, oh, you know, if I ate 50 less calories, I was way less productive. <laughs> so there's a lot of way, cool ways to track data like that. And you can, if that's your thing, you know, there's a lot of tools out there to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of data as well. Um, it's fun. It is. It is. There's a lot you can do with it. What is the number one thing that drives your motivation? I think it goes back to that, uh, the quote from that TV show. Um, ultimately I just, you know, we all got a limited time here and I want to make sure that the ideas that excite me, I want to make sure I work on them so that they could excite other people too. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's definitely a good motivation to have there. Um, so Dylan, you gave some great information about gaining awareness and maybe going viral a little bit and you shared your awesome story, which I think that was probably one of the best stories that we've had thank you on the podcast i really enjoyed that um but before we wrap up i'll ask you to provide one main takeaway for everyone listening i think it kind of i think the most important thing is that everybody's different um there's so much pressure to to follow people these days not even just on social media but just like that guy's successful. I should do what he's doing. Or that guy has a bunch of money. I should do what he did. There's so much information out there. It seems tempting to follow 
what everyone else is doing because it's out there. But yeah, it's just a balancing act of testing things out so you can figure out what, mm-hmm. what works for you. And not only just like, oh, this app makes me super productive, but also like what keeps you sane and what's important to you. And, you know, you just got to test all that stuff out. You might learn that, um, you know, work-life balance, everyone says you got to pay attention to it. You might learn that you don't care about having a girlfriend or, you know, or boyfriend. It's just like, just figure out what works for you and don't expect anyone else to tell you that answer. Yeah, absolutely. That's that. I totally agree with you there. Um, so where can we find more about you and anything that you'd like to point our listeners to? Yeah. Uh, so right before this call, I was working on our next documentary. I threw a dart at this map, actually, which is now covered because of a different project. Uh, wherever it landed, I moved to and I lived there for however long I needed to live there until I was able to change someone else's life. Um, so I'm working on that documentary now. It was weird. <laughs> it was a crazy <laughs> experience. But I would love for people to go watch that or you know subscribe on our website, liveforanother.com. And uh, there's some other stuff they can check out uh, because I'm still trying to learn how to be productive when it comes to editing. But <laughs> yeah, something to look forward to is, is that. All right. I hope everyone listening goes and checks it out. It sounds like a, a really cool thing to watch. And thanks for coming on the podcast. I, I really appreciate it. I had a great time. There. Thank you. It's been fun. I'm really glad I was able to share Dylan's story with you guys. Thanks again for being on the show, Dylan. And thanks to everyone listening right now. I truly appreciate your support on this journey. And make sure to hit that subscribe button, leave a review, leave a rating. Um, I really appreciate it. It would mean a lot to me and it'll help grow this podcast. I also encourage you to go check out studentbuiltstartups.com to find the links to everything we talked about, the highlights of all the topics we talked about, as well as the links to Dylan's social media accounts and his website. Thanks again, and I will catch you on the next episode.